morning, I'm going to be talking about drawing near to God and that each and every step that we take to draw near to God matters. That when you draw near to God, the promise is he will draw near to us. But before we get into the heart of the message, there's some things that I want to just catch us up all on. It says over the last several weeks, we've looked at the subject matter of caring for the sick. And so in our time together, we've discovered that healing, health and wholeness were included in the intoning or the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And by his stripes, you were healed. We've also been reminded that God instituted the Sabbath as a day of rest and that we're to live our life in a certain rhythm. If we get going too fast, then it's not healthy for us. If we're too dormant, it's not healthy for us. There is a rhythm in which we are to live our life. And the Sabbath is an important commandment. If you look back into the Old Testament When God was giving these instructions to his people, he wanted them to understand that he had their best interest in mind. And he used himself as an example. On the seventh day, it says in the book of Genesis that God rested. Now, we have answered the question, but just as a point of remembrance, uh, let me share with you, God does not need the rest. He did that as an example unto us because he is our example in all things. And so he rested on the seventh day. And what's wonderful about this rest that God has given unto us, it's an abiding rest. It's a rest that you can have seven days a week because of Jesus. And that you can come to him and you can be in a perpetual state of rest. But there is a day that's set apart where we should cease from all activities. We should enjoy our family. We should put our feet up. We should relax, which is a tough thing to ask people to do because we have a lot of things that we're responsible for but that also hurts us in the long term it hurts us spiritually it hurts us emotionally and it hurts us financially and relationally and so the lord has instituted a sabbath i've had people throughout the years when it comes to talking about the sabbath and the sacredness of setting apart a day i said it's really Not a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday issue with God. It's do you trust him on that day that if you just commit that day unto him, that he'll set up the next six days. And I I believe that's a test that all of us can pass. I've also had people say, well, Doug, that's the Old Testament. And, you know, we've moved into the New Testament. And my answer to that is, so it's okay to murder? It's okay to steal? It's okay to lie? It's okay to covet? It's okay to take the Lord's name in vain. No, 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 pastor. No, Doug, it's not. Then why is it okay not to obey the Sabbath? Aren't they all part of the same list? We would never endorse murder, but we commend people because they're hard workers. Oh, boy, they're a hard worker. They just go, 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 go. They just do, 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 do. And at the end of their life, they're on fumes and they look back and what's it filled with? Regret. Things that they had in their heart to do that they never made room to do because they were always doing other things. And it's a trap that the enemy wants to protect us from. Any of the commandments that God gives us are for our good and for our own spiritual growth and edification. Then last week we looked at if we want to be healthy and we want to help others who are not healthy to get healthy, we have to uproot all bitterness and unforgiveness from our lives And when we do so, there's room for health and restoration to to spring forth. Today, we're going to look at and consider the importance of drawing near to God. 
So in order to get the most out of today's message, we need to start by admitting there are times when we are reluctant to draw near to God. Can I get a witness? There's sometimes areas of our life that we feel we cannot confide in the Lord or we can't go to the Lord with. And so those areas are off limits to everyone, including the Lord. Now, we know how foolish that sounds when we actually say it. But in the midst of the moment when we really know we need to go to God, it doesn't seem that foolish not to go to God. Can you relate? I mean, we can talk ourselves into not going to him when we know we really need to. And all of us have these areas of our life that we hold really close to the vest. But I believe this morning as we look into God's word that we're going to be able to have uh, some of these walls come down. And when these walls come down, that means more light comes in. And more health and healing comes in. You can build a wall so big that you block out the sun. And that's not a good place to be in our lives. So we want to get the most out of today's message. So first of all, it's important that we hear for ourselves. And in hearing for ourselves and us getting into a better place relationally and redemptively with the Lord, we can encourage others. We can care for the sick in a more beneficial way to them. So let's begin by looking at some of the invitations and appeals that the Lord extends towards us. Not only the opportunities these invitations give unto us, but the heart of God behind these invitations. We're going to start in Psalm 145 and read verse 17 and 18. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. One of the definitions of the phrase draw near means to approach or to come or to call. So if you're going to draw near to anyone, you're going to have to approach them. You're going to have to come to them or you may have to call upon them. So we can see these synonyms for the for the phrase draw near or something that the psalmist is appealing to God's people to him. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. He is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. What tremendous promises we have there. Matthew chapter 11, if you would please. Jesus speaking, we'll pick up in the 28th verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One other verse of scripture, the appeal of Jesus. Can you hear the heart behind it, that he wants to help us, that he wants to provide rest for us. He wants to instruct us. He wants to partner with us in life. He doesn't want us to be burdened down with a heavy load. And so the invitation to come or to approach him or to draw near comes from a heart that he will accept us. He will welcome us. 
that we are his beloved. Just as the psalmist said, the Lord is gracious and righteous in all of his words, all of his works, and he will draw near to us when we come. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. And sometimes we don't experience the promise that's tied with these truths because we have a tendency to draw away from the Lord. And we're going to address that here in a minute. But let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. No, Hebrews chapter 10, excuse me. And we're going to pick up in the 19th verse. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, it's good to know what it's there for. So he's tying this instruction to something he's already said. And what he's been talking about is you have a great high priest. You have a wonderful High priest named Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Would you agree that when we draw near to God with confidence and assurance that he ministers to our needs, that he provides rest, that he's gracious, that he's righteous towards us, that he instructs us in the way we should go when he's near to us every time Without exception, when you've drawn near to God, is that what you have experienced? Yes. yes. So here is the $64,000 question. Here's the gorilla in the room that we have to talk about. Because I hope your answer to that was yes. I hope you can draw back on those times and seasons in your life where maybe you were a little hesitant or reluctant to come to the Lord. Maybe you were embarrassed or ashamed and maybe you felt guilty Maybe you felt you weren't worthy to come to the Lord, but when you broke through that barrier, you overcame that hurdle and you came, what you experienced was worth the journey. What you gained was better than what you gave up. Because you, in order to approach the Lord, you do have to give something up. You have to give up your ways and your thoughts and your philosophies, and you have to just come and draw near to him. And let the experience take care of itself. Don't try to figure out what the experience should be before you draw near. Let the experience be what it needs to be for you. We have preconceived ideas. If I'll do this, God will do that. And we have to eliminate that kind of relational battering between us and the Lord, like playing ping pong with the Lord. So if your answer was yes, and I hope it is, why is it at times that we draw back instead of drawing near? I'll give you a simple answer, and then I'll give you one that maybe has a few more layers in it. The simple answer is this. We're mortal. To approach immortality is, um, at times, like overwhelming. When you really think about who you're approaching, 
it, it can be something that causes us to have some concerns. Because we're aware of everything that we should have done better, could have done better. And we wonder, since we know he knows all things, how he's going to respond to us when we come. Now, there's sometimes you and I can just go to the Lord and we have no hesitation. There's no concern, no angst, no anxiety, no fretfulness. We just come. It's easy to come. And then there's other areas that it's a little more challenging to come because we wonder if we'll be received. That's the simple answer. We wonder if we'll be welcomed. We'll wonder what we will experience. And here's the things with layers, okay? And we're not going to get into the layers, but folks, we are like onions. There's lots of layers with us. Fear of rejection. A sense of being unworthy. And maybe one of the ones that we have in common that we don't talk about that much is an unwillingness for admission to actually be honest and clean before the Lord. So if we can overcome these hurdles in our head and draw near to God, I believe we'll be in a better place in our lives to encourage others who have the same struggles. There's so many people that aren't feeling well today and somehow they believe it's their fault. And therefore, since it's their fault, it's their cross to bear and they can't come to God. They have blown it too many times, made too many mistakes. They have disobeyed. They have run from God. They have been reluctant to be obedient. And therefore, they think that God is like an unjust judge or like a crooked accountant. And the books are stacked against them or the case is too great against them and they can't come. They can't come. The evidence of my disobedience is overwhelming. I am guilty. I'm not coming. There's a lot of people, both that are believers as well as those that are not believers, that struggle with a sense of acceptance and affirmation so they don't come. And if we can get through those hurdles in our head and in our life, we can have a testimony to encourage them. While I cannot tell them what they'll experience, and we have to be careful there, I can tell them they will be accepted and they will be welcomed. And God will minister grace to them. But before we go any further today, I have one more passage of scripture that we have to look at in order to become more confident in caring for the sick. This is a portion of scripture that we have to interpret correctly if we're going to draw near to God with confidence and assurance. And this is found in the book of James. If you would please turn to James chapter 4, and we're going to begin in the 7th verse, and we're going to read down through the 10th verse. Talking about drawing near to God, each step matters. Every step that you take to overcome the hurdles in your head, those obstacles that are in the way, whether it's a sense of rejection, not feeling worthy, not being willing to admit your need for assistance and help and support in life, 
No matter what the hurdle is, there could be five other things that you're thinking about right now. No matter what it is, I want to encourage you that when you overcome those hurdles, that you become an instrument to help others to overcome their hurdles. James chapter 4, verse 7, reading down through the 10th verse. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I have a question before we begin to look and sort of unpack some of the truths in this scripture. We have just read Psalms 145. Matthew 11, and Hebrews chapter 10. And each of those invitations and appeals that the Lord gives us to come or to draw near or to approach him, could you sense his love, his acceptance, his mercy, his grace, and his goodness? We get to this portion of scripture and sometimes we're like, wow, this sounds harsh. This this sounds like I'm going to take a pass on this one. I'll respond to Psalms 145 and Matthew 11 and and I'll respond to Hebrews chapter 10. But wow, James, James sounds like he's pointing a finger. Maybe we need to understand a couple things here so that we don't misinterpret this portion of scripture. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the psalmist that was upon Jesus and anointed him, that inspired the writer of the book of Hebrews, is the same spirit that has anointed and inspired Pastor James to write. So if it's the same spirit, we have to interpret it in a different light because God is not accusing us. Scripture actually tells us if God was to count our sins, who could stand before him? So he's not going that place with us, but somehow we go that place with him. We believe that at times, not all the time, but at certain times, we just can't go. The cards are stacked against me. So it's better not to go than to go and to feel like a failure. Feel like I let him down again, disappointed him, frustrated him. So let's take a look at this and let's really understand once again what it's saying. Because if we overcome this hurdle, we help others in the hurdles that they face. And there's a lot of people with hurdles that live in the world. Therefore, submit to God. Yield. And completely allow him to have charge of your life. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We just somehow wish James would have stopped right there. Here we have this authoritative position as we submit to God over all the forces of darkness. And we have this open door of invitation to come. But he doesn't stop there. Who is he appealing to come? Who is he appealing to submit? 
Who is he calling upon to get on a different path? There's two categories of people. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Almost we hear that word, you sinners, and it's like, you scum of the earth, you dirty, no good scoundrels. Do you ever hear that? That's not the Holy Spirit helping you interpret that scripture. But that's how we hear it at times because that's how we feel about some of our mistakes and missteps and sins and acts of disobedience. So we think, wow. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sounds critical, judgmental. That's not the spirit in which it was written, and that's not the spirit in which we should interpret it. Can I share something with you that maybe would cause you to read this in a different light? Let's go back to verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Everybody say yes. Yes. All right, cleanse. The word your was added by the interpreters. The way it reads is clean hands, you sinner. But it doesn't even say you. You was added by the interpreters. If it's italicized in your Bible, it wasn't in the original language. The translators put it there to try to bring some personal pronouns into this trying to get the audience to understand the only way that you and I can be cleansed from our sin is to submit to God and to draw near. So this is really an appeal to people to get their life in a healthier and more fruitful place. In the original language, the words are actually reversed. Sinners receive cleansing when they submit and draw near. Hold on. That's what happened to me in September of 1976. I went to the Lord in a submissive and humble way, and he made all things new. My hands that were stained with sin, the stain was removed. James, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to everyone who submits to God, everyone who draw nears to God, they are cleansed from all sin. This invitation seems much more appealing and palatable now, doesn't it to you? It's no longer the Lord pointing an accusational finger, but opening a welcoming hand. What about those that are double-minded? Those that vacillate between, you know, serving God, not serving God. We would say they have struggles with doubts. What happens to them? Their hearts become pure. They settle some issues. They're no longer halting between two opinions. They gain assurance, confidence, and faith. When they submit to God and draw near to him. So here's the question. Any areas in your life where you've ever needed cleansing? And when you came, the Lord cleansed you 
from all sin and unrighteousness. Why? Because you drew near to him and he drew near to you. Every step matters. Every step away from the Lord is a step in the wrong direction. Every step towards the Lord is a step in the right direction. One more reminder about the Lord. You can't hide anything from him. Everything is open to him. And since it's open to him, we should be open to him. No pretenses, no graveling, no whining, no having a good day and then I'll go to God. Just go. If you're struggling with a temptation that's led to sin, go submit to him, yield to him, allow him to have his rightful place in your life and he'll draw near to you and you won't find that he is there to accuse you or to slap your hands. He's there to cleanse and to restore. This is the nature of God all through Scripture. Why is it that we get to a portion of Scripture like this and we feel like, I'm guilty, I'm dirty, I'm unworthy? Because that's how devilish the devil is. He doesn't want us to come. He doesn't want us to experience this cleansing, this grace, this righteousness of God. He wants us to live in the shadows and, and feel like we can't come. When God is calling us into the light. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he, he will lift you up. Luke chapter 7. Can I read a couple of stories that illustrate both of these truths? Luke chapter 7. First of all, has there ever been a time when you've read the four gospels where Scripture identifies someone in the story as a sinner when they came to Jesus that they left a sinner. That they left the same. There's very few, if any. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a, what's the next word? She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought in an alabaster flax of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, so just in case you don't think that God knows what you're thinking about someone, he knows what you're thinking about someone. So this guy is thinking, no one knows what I'm thinking. And there's Jesus saying, let me answer the question that you just formulated and the judgment you came to as a result of this. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to him. So he said, teacher, please expound. Tell me all the great things that you have for me to do. Oh, Jesus is not going there with him. Notice that Jesus loves this man enough to correct and instruct him. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 
And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet and she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Therefore, I say to you, submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. You sinners will be cleansed. Doesn't sound accusational anymore. Harsh, impersonal, judgmental, critical. It's, it's, it's leaving. Brick by brick, God removes the wall that we erected of our thoughts towards him of other people's improper thoughts that they've injected towards us throughout the years, brick by brick, drawing near to God, every step matters. Every step matters. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. If you go back one more book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 17. This is helping a man who is double-minded. Verse 17. One in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he said, so he asked his father, how long uh, has, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me with my double-mindedness. Help me with my doubt. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. Let's go to verse 25. Excuse me. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as as one dead so that many said he is dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. 
And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out, but by nothing, by nothing, but, <clears throat> but prayer and fasting. Um, short caveat here is that the disciples really were expected to minister to uh, this young boy that the father had brought, but there was one thing that really prevented them from having the faith or the confidence to minister to this hurting boy and hurting father. And that was they lacked faith. So not only was the father struggling, we can identify with the father. It's day in, you know, maybe a day in, day out scenario. Don't know when it's going to happen. It happens often that the spirit would seize a son and his behavior would become so erratic that be thrown into a fire and thrown into the water. So the subject matter, part of it is caring for the sick. The disciples were expected to care for the sick. And when the young boy was delivered and he was brought back to his father, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we minister to him? You have commissioned us. You have called us. You have appointed us. You have identified us. Why couldn't we? And he says, if I could summarize it this way, you just haven't been drawn near to God enough. You're struggling with doubts and double-mindedness just like, just like the Father was. But if you pray and, and you'll commit yourself to having a more of an abiding relationship with the Lord and with his word, faith will arise. Your doubts will dissipate. He didn't, he didn't rebuke them. He instructed them. You want to help people? You want to help the hurting? You want to help the broken? Then you got to get beyond the package. You got to get past what you see and their erratic behavior. You got to deal with your own double mindedness. Sometimes we have to deal with our own sins, shortcomings that make us feel unworthy and inadequate. And when you and I come and confess our sins, we receive cleansing. And when we bring to the Lord our doubts and double minded issues, He helps us to grow in our faith and to become stable and to become strong and healthy. The responsibility of the church is to still care for the sick. That's just not a pastoral responsibility. That is not just vocational ministry responsibility. That's our joy and privilege to extend peace on earth and goodwill towards men through Christ our Lord to those who are hurting and downcast and broken and oppressed. So today's lesson, yes, is about us drawing near, but what happens when we draw near? You experience God in a way that it transforms you. And then you go forth and you're able to encourage and to help others. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.